You are now listening to the Hunter's Advantage Podcast. I'm Christian Babcock, the host of the Hunter's Advantage Podcast. And what we do on the podcast is we talk to disruptive companies in the outdoor industry, talk about innovative hunting solutions that are changing the landscape, as well as offer you tips and strategy for more successful hunts. All in all, I just want to help you become a better hunter by providing you with high-quality knowledge and information that you can trust. Stay tuned. Joined by John Cook. Um, John, why don't you just go ahead and tell the listener maybe a little bit about yourself and what you're doing in the outdoors. Uh, well, I am a lifelong hunter. Uh, all my childhood, I loved squirrel hunting. Squirrel hunting was really my passion deer season would come but i'll be like yeah it's cold and stuff right. uh, but i loved hunting squirrels in october and uh, i've got three kids that i am um, they've just got big enough to get into the outdoors and that's what's really uh, got me reprimed and reinvigorated uh for it and uh when i was a kid we had a lease we call the deer lease for over 20 years uh and so uh, basically Texas public land saved, uh, our family's hunting legacy after we lost that lease. So, uh, I'm down for public land hunting. I like hard hunts. Um, I, I I'd rather kayak in seven miles and, and have uh, an encounter with a buck that's never seen a person, you know, than actually, you know, go somewhere where it's easier to kill one. So that's my, that's my thing. <laughs> so what is, um, what do you mean that pub- Texas public lands uh, saved your your family's tradition? So well, my grandpa hunted, my dad hunted. Uh, my dad was a uh, extreme hunter. He loved uh, steel hunting and jump shooting whitetails in the creek bottom where we hunted. And uh, so we hunted there. I mean, since I was four years old, I was I was hunting by myself at ten, hunting squirrels uh, with a four ten shotgun. Uh, which I personally wouldn't do today, but that's how it was then. And that was fine. Uh, and so, but, but whenever we lost that lease, I was in my early twenties and, uh, we just didn't know where to hunt. I mean, we've been hunting on that private land for all those years and, uh, just didn't really know anything about it. And that's when I started having kids myself. So I was busy and, uh, it was probably eight years that that we hunted rarely uh do a little squirrel hunting on this guy's property or or that guy's but uh really hard to deer hunt around here by permission you you have to pay i mean even all of the ranchers and stuff know that 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 you have to pay for it so it's really hard to do by permission where are uh, you located at i'm in uh probably uh, right in the middle of eastern texas Okay. Uh, Tyler, Texas is the biggest uh, town around. It's uh, where the Piney Woods meets the Post Oak Savannah on the Natchez River. Okay. Uh, the Natchez River in Texas, uh, it doesn't go through any city or, or, or any even any town. And uh, it's considered Texas' last wild river, and that's where I do most of my hunting. Uh, I really love it down there. And so that's about an hour from my house 
you know, people normally speak about, you know, Texas, they don't have any public lands. Uh, but on my side of Texas, I've got 250,000 acres uh, within an hour and a half drive from my doorstep. So oh, wow. I don't have I, I don't have any shortage of it. <clears throat> the Western hunts is what's hard to come by on public land uh, in Texas. But. Yeah, from my perspective, so I'm from Oklahoma originally. Right. I just moved down to Texas uh, just a few weeks ago, actually. But um, I'm kind of like you, several hundred thousand acres uh, within a very, very short drive and moving down to Austin, just the public land down here is very sparse. And I mean, there's 300 acre plots, you know, there's three or four within an hour, but you know, a couple thousand acres, you know, for a population density of several million people in that area. is just, to me, isn't, isn't great. And no, 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 it's terrible. And in Austin is really, uh, because once you get uh, to the Edwards Plateau, it was commonly called the Hill Country. Yeah. But basically from Austin all the way through San Antonio and to Del Rio there, kind of in a triangle, uh, that is the mecca of Texas deer hunting. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, when you're talking Piney Woods, good populations, I mean, 15, 16 deer per square mile. Uh, you're talking Edwards Plateau, you're talking 30, 40 deer, yeah, uh, per square mile. So it's a whole nother, uh, whole nother ball game. And a long time ago, well, not that long ago, but in the 80s, people started putting up high fences in Texas, started making a lot of money, uh, charging yeah. corporations and stuff ten thousand dollars a pop to come down. And that prime land got sucked up very quickly at that point, yeah. I'm not, I'm not huge on that. I, I've, I've been driving, I've hunted one time in the hill country and just some of the most gorgeous country I've ever seen. And, uh, and some really, really good whitetail out there and turkey hunting and stuff like that. But seeing, you know, seeing every other property being a high fence kind of just sickens me just a little bit because, yeah, I mean, you know, it's kind of, uh, it does, uh, but you know, it's just one of those things, uh, it's a business, you know, it's not for me. I completely separate it out. Yeah. You know, like when I go to, you know, to my, my bow shop and my taxidermist and there's a 240 inch deer in there. And I, obviously you can tell by the horns that it's been on protein pellets, Yep. you know, and if it's been on that many protein pellets, it was in a high fence. Of course it was. And that's fine. You know what? You, you want to, to see a magnificent buck like that, and you've got the money, and you want to eat the meat. Uh, if you don't eat the meat, i got a problem with you. But, uh, you know, other than that, hey, just, you know, do, do your thing. But uh, obviously the, the type of pride and satisfaction uh, of taking a free-range mature whitetail is, is completely far away from that. There's Yeah. Uh, there's there's no pride in that i I, i've won i actually won a hunt my dad actually won it in in one of those places and we just didn't go yeah Uh, but but to each his own i'm not if you want to hunt any kind of way if it's ethical and if it's legal uh you know go right ahead i don't have an issue with people people doing it but i've i've seen and this is kind of where it gets a little gray for me is when People go and they hunt the high fence and they do kill, you know, 170, 180 inch deer, which is pretty common, I feel like. Uh, 
Um, and then they try to pass it off as, you know, a normal deer, like a, this is a low fence deer. This is a deer that, you know, can get away. That's not fed all this protein and stuff like that. It's just, it's really frustrating when you go in these groups and you're in these groups, either on Facebook or, you know, friends that you follow and they do kill a magnificent whitetail, really just a gorgeous deer. And it's like, they're, they're, they're trying to pat themselves on the back a little bit. And it's like, you just gotta, there's a balance to all of it. You have to know what you did and how much work you put into it. And it's just super frustrating. Cause I know I've walked two or three, four miles through some marsh to go hunt, you know, a big deer <laughs> right. back on public. <laughs> and so when someone shows, sends me a picture of a, of a giant that they killed, you know, with an ear tag, I'm just like, I, I don't know. Leaves a very, very sour taste in my mouth. And I just, yeah. I don't know something I don't, I'm just not big on. You know, I'll I'll never dissuade, uh, especially because it, it, at least, at the very least, you know, those guys, uh, and a lot of them are, are non-residents, so they pay a little more, uh, but they're buying a hunting license, and 98 point, you know, a fraction of percent of the license fees in Texas go straight back into texas parks and wildlife so yeah for for conservation so if they're if they're buying a license and they're you know obeying the law i'm gonna let them do it mm -hmm. uh, but you know teach their own <laughs> yeah that's that's for sure i agree on that one so um what's this uh i'm not super familiar with the texas draw system so a lot of uh, most public land um in oklahoma I mean, actually, most all public land you can definitely access. Now, there's certain WMAs. That's what we call them. I don't, yeah, I think you guys call them WMAs too. Yeah, we call too. them that too. Yeah. Um, but there's certain WMAs that uh, you can only hunt with a bow, and I'm cool with that. Those WMAs typically have much larger deer because it's a lot harder to oh, kill yeah. with a bow. So Those are my faves. Yeah, definitely. So <laughs> what? Uh, what is the What's this system in Texas okay. about drawing? There's certain I've, I've noticed that there's certain pieces of land that you can hunt only with a permit, which is kind of kind of interesting to me. Right, right. Well, it's very similar to, uh, for instance, if you're going to go elk hunting in Colorado, mm -hmm. you've got a number of uh, you know what they call game management units, and a lot of those have over-the-counter elk tags that you can get. Yep. Okay. But then some of those units are limited entry. So you have to draw for a tag, so forth and so on. And, you know, like, for instance, like places like Arizona and the Kaibab and all this kind of stuff to where you may be 20 years, you know, trying, trying to draw a tag. So it's similar to that. But the thing is, it, it's kind of by uh, ease and quality. Kind of what I'd like to do is 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 pull it up and just take you and uh, you know the listener. They can play this back step mm -hmm. by step into the system, and kind of talk about some of the different kind of hunts just to give people a, an idea of, of what's available and, and a lot right. is available. Mm -hmm. uh, so what you would do is uh, just go to Texas Parks and Wildlife dot texas.gov so tpwd.texas.gov all right and then you'll be on the home page and then you're gonna there you'll see a column you're gonna click on hunting and then you're gonna click on public hunting 
And then uh, there's a deal that says drawn hunts. So I'm in the drawn hunts. Now I'm going to browse the hunt catalog. All right. So the drawn hunt catalog goes. So general is basically means any weapon. It mm-hmm. really, really means rifle in Texas. Um, uh, but it's like for a general uh, draw tag, you can draw to hunt alligator, exotics, deer, javelina, mule deer, pronghorns, and turkeys. And a couple I'd like to talk about uh, the 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 alligator. Uh, draw hunt is in a place where me my brother and my dad uh it's called a ba steinhagen razor reservoir and mm-hmm. there's actually an awesome wma called angelina dam b that is where the angelina and the nature's river converge and that land trapped in between there is is famous in, in the area well the reservoir below there we went on a canoe trip and there's gators in the daytime and they're just they're they're there plenty plenty (laughs) of them Uh, and so that's something that you may not do like hey you may have a little private piece in iowa uh but if you're gonna hunt gators uh you may have to move around a bit and that's kind of and you know kind of opportunities uh that we have well we're a little bit more interested uh, how about archery deer so under the archery tab there's deer you click on that and then there's all the different areas uh, where you can draw a tag. And what you're really going to want to pay attention to when you decide on which of these to draw, it, they're cheap to get into. So, like, the normal ones are 3 bucks, And, like, the high-ticket ones, the really quality ones, are 10 bucks. Okay. And that's as high as it gets. And uh, some of them are free. but uh, So... Um, you're going to look at the bag limit, all right? So you're going to look at the bag limit when you, like right now I'm looking at Abilene State Park. I'm looking mm-hmm. at the bag limit. Uh, two white-tailed deer, either sex, limit one buck. So that lets me know that uh, it's not necessarily overpopulated. They're just trying to do normal population control. All right, so Chaparral WMA, which is actually – a uh, very interesting thing. It's a research facility for Texas Parks and Wildlife, and they're researching basically what the QDMA does, and uh, basically allowing whitetails to grow to maturity, uh, trying to protect uh, younger bucks. So this uh, bag limit is says has an antler restriction that one buck must have an inside main beam wider than the ear tips with a minimum spread of 14 inches. Uh, and so there, you know, by that, that they're managing for more mature deer. They want yeah. deer in there that are at least three and a half years old. And so for me, I'm looking at that, and that's the type that I that I personally want to draw, you know. And so then, did you say something about exotic on Publix? Exotics oh, on I, public? Oh, absolutely, dude. Absolutely. Texas is probably, and there are other places. I know that there's like an island in South Florida that's a WMA that mm-hmm. has some exotic animals on it. Um, but uh, so, so the draw hunts, let me go back. And so I can click on that under archery in exotic. And there's a, uh, basically one state park for the draw hunts that you can hunt exotic. Uh, and it really doesn't say, 
some of the state parks, you got to kind of do extra research. Like when you're looking at it to draw a hunt in Texas and it's a state park, you're going to want to call the park ranger mm-hmm. because he's going to really, you know, have the information because sometimes they don't, they share limited information. Uh, uh, so under the draw hunt, okay, so you go down and there's a thing called e-postcard selection hunts. Okay, mm-hmm. basically this is free. All you have to do is put your name in the basket, and then if you get drawn, you can hunt that. And that's uh, general, archery, uh, and, and youth. All, all of them are general, archery, and youth in their, in their categories. So, uh, for example, if you wanted to hunt exotics, and really... Uh, one of the best places, and I'm going to get to this during the youth hunts. Yeah. Uh, but actually, let me cover the exotics during the youth hunts because uh, I've, the, the two really good youth hunts have to do with exotics. Okay. So if that's possible for me. Yeah, to... that's perfect. All right. So the, Okay, so the East po- e-postcard hunts. So you got your drawn hunts, and when you go down there, you can see success rates and everything. That's all right there. You know, it's easy to find. You know, some of the states, that information is, like, really hard to find. It's like in a PDF on the back of the website. Hard to decipher. But on this, it just says the amount of hunters and the percentage of success rate. Yeah. Uh, and, and basically, you know, for archery, I'm looking for 35%. That's uh, pretty high. Yeah, yeah. That I mean, that's what I'm looking for because there's a lot of good ones. All right. So e-postcard hunts. You just put your name in, and uh, and you might get that hunt. So archery deer, the one I wanted really wanted to look at, it's called James Daughtry WMA. Okay, the Daughtry is nineteen thousand acres. All right, and it is uh, in the Rio Grande Valley. So that's basically the second best area for whitetail in the state. With the hill country, Edwards Plateau probably being the best. Mm-hmm. And this one is, is right there. It is an hour from Kingsville. And if you know anything about Texas, Kingsville, that's basically the, the head of the King Ranch. Yeah. Uh, the most iconic uh, ranch in Texas and, and probably the most uh, wide open opportunities as far as private land hunting. Uh, you know, that there is, it's a pretty amazing place, but it's still kind of one of those things where not a ton of pride, Yeah. but James Daughtry's got crops in it. It's going to be similar to something you might find in the Midwest. There's corn crops, there's carrot crops, there's different kind of crops that have been leased out, uh, in between that 19 acre, that 19,000 acres and listen to, uh, the bag limit, three white tailed deer, and this is, and the hunt date is only during the rut, during the month of November. Okay. So that they've all got limited dates too. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not that you can just hunt the entire season in there. The way that they create more opportunity is they say, okay, we're going to let 10 people hunt, you know, during this three weeks, then we're going to let 10 more people hunt during this stage and so forth and so on. So three deer, either sex, two bucks. But both bucks must have a minimum spread of 14 inches. Yeah. I mean, a 14-inch 10-point is like a 110, 115-inch deer. 
Yeah. I mean, that, that, I mean that's not that's not bad, especially with a bow. I, I don't consider that bad. I mean, if you watch uh, Chasing 200 or whatever, you might think that. Yeah. <laughs> so, so that's another thing. You always got to pay attention to the bag limits because that lets you know how the property is being managed. You know, so some of them will say five white-tailed deer, one buck. Well, that tells you something right there. They're yeah. overrun with does, you know, so you're going to see 30 does and you might see a couple of bucks, you know, on a property like that. Yeah, that's, that's, that's definitely something to avoid. Yeah, I mean, you definitely, that's the main thing that I look at. It's a simple deal, but you look at the bag limit, you can tell how the area is being managed. And then you can make your, you know, okay, I'm going to go on. This seems interesting. You pull out your maps and everything. You start looking at the terrain, you know, and, and you start, uh, you know, thinking about maybe drawing for it and looking at the dates. Okay, so other than e-postcard, there's permits that you can draw to kill does on the National Forest. And that would be with a gun because you can kill does in Texas on the National Forest during archery season. Okay. And so in any national forest in Texas, you can kill does in the archery season, uh, which is new. And I was really glad uh, that they did that because you'll, you'll see some does in the national forest for sure. And so then under that, you'll see national wildlife refuge hunts. And these are some of the coolest hunts that you can do. So under that wildlife refuge, okay, you can do for exotics and the laguna atacosta national wildlife refuge is right on the coast north padre island in texas it is a beautiful habitat the that that is gulf coast whitetail if if you're going for your public land whitetail slam you can get your gulf coast whitetail there and they have a I think about a five or 6,000 animal population of Nilgai antelope. Oh, wow. Free, free range. And if you've seen those things, they're like 400 pounds. That's incredible. And, they, and they're supposed to be, you know, I haven't personally gotten to take one. I've seen them a few times. They look like a horse. <laughs> they're like a big gray horse. Mm-hmm. They are, they're, they're wary though. They're no, they're no easy prey with a bow. but they're really good eating and there's Mm -hmm. a lot of them there and there's a lot of them in that area in the rio Grande valley of texas on on different properties some of them small uh but uh you'll you'll occasionally see those there so you can't forget about those type of lands as well because when you think about texas oh we have a small amount of land but there's like easy to find land and then there's land that it's not easy to find information on. Yeah. Know? So mm-hmm. all of these hunts, very easy to find. In fact, whenever you go on the, the, the main page, you're going to go down and you're going to see a deal that says interactive hunting atlas. That's going to pop up a picture of the state with a bunch of stars on it. Each yep. of those stars represents a public hunting area, and it's and it's a lot quicker to get to the information that way. Normally, the there's copper stars, and that normally means there's going to be upland bird hunting, mm-hmm. not necessarily suitable for big game, or it could be like a squirrel hunting. Some there's like forty acre spots where you can squirrel hunt. 
Mm-hmm. Dove hunt, do, little dove fields, just different yeah. kind of stuff, you know. And that's normally what those copper-colored stars are for. Um, but that's a basic overview of how it works. Uh, it's it's preference point, like anything else. Mm-hmm. The one thing uh, that's great uh, for non-residents is there's no uh, favoritism. The non-resident gets treated in the draw system exactly the same as the resident. The only thing that makes any difference in the draw is the preference point. Right. You get a point for each one. So, for instance, on the youth hunts, and I draw for my kids, since it's free, I'm going to draw for all 45 hunts. Because once, even when you win the hunts, you've got like a week that you can reject the hunt, and then they'll give it to the next person in the draw. Yeah. So you're not causing any problems by trying to draw them all. Mm-hmm. You know, so I'm going to try to draw all those hunts, unless, except for the ones that I'm like, man, that's just going to be crappy. You know, I can kind of tell that's going to be no good. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it's completely free completely free to draw to draw youth hunts and these are good hunts the hunts that they set up for the youth are really good hunts uh one of the places uh that that they have uh youth hunts for exotics it's called devil's river state Na- uh, natural area and that's down there close to del rio uh down close to the border uh basically in the semi-arid desert but it's brush country uh, they've got Audad, Corsican Ram, Catalina Goats, and they've got Bighorns, but obviously those are all off-limit without the uh, special permit. But that place right there is just a phenomenal place to go. It sounds uh, to incredible. To see that type of thing, there's mule deer out there. Uh, you, you'll see mule deer, you'll see whitetails, you'll see Rio Grande turkeys. I mean, the wildlife on that area is awesome and the terrain is is awesome it's it's a it's a real beautiful area now me and my my oldest uh my daughter she was 13 about to be 14 we she drew a hunt a youth hunt last season at guadalupe river state park now guadalupe river state park is pretty much in between san antonio and austin yep it is a fabulous state park it is really nice. Uh, the Guadalupe River is famous for people floating it, uh, going down to New Braunfels, floating the river, all the all the college kids and whatnot. It's right there in the heart of big game. Uh, unfortunately, she got an opportunity on two feral hogs, one big one, about 250 pounds, uh, to where her, her rifle jammed. Oh, no. And she, yeah, and she missed a little eater. She shot a little low about an 80 pounder. She was like, it's not big enough. I was like, just shoot it. We're going to eat it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but, uh, it, it was a fabulous hunt. They had it set up really well for kids. There was all enclosed blinds. Does it rain? One of the day we stayed completely dry. It's kind of by compartment. So we had about 75, 80 acres that nobody else was allowed to come in. Yeah. And there was three blinds in there, basically, so we could play the wind. Uh, and they had them pretty well patterned. They had uh, deer traveling through there. Unfortunately, we got a December hunt, and they had taken 31 bucks before we got there. And these are 31 bucks with over a 14-inch spread. 
They wiped him out then. Yeah, so obviously that's a good one. Yeah, I'm going to try to get one in October, though, yeah. instead of December. Uh, I'm not going to put any date. Uh, they were really spooky. Um, I mean, they were, but they were there. I mean, they were smelling us out of the blind. They were blowing at us all in the timber. I mean, they were blowing at us all throughout the day. Uh, wow. It was a really cool hunt, really cool terrain. Um, and I think really the best, um, really the best part of uh, Texas Parks and Wildlife uh, hunting is, is what they provide uh, for youth hunts. Uh, in addition to that, on Guadalupe, Guadalupe River State Park, they've got Axis deer, Sika deer, Aldad, and Mouflon rams. Uh, we did see an Axis doe uh, while we were there. Uh, but I hadn't really hunt axis, but apparently they're kind of more of a grazer, a little bit more like a, like an elk or something. Yeah. So they're just pretty much running in different areas than the, uh, than the whitetail are no, that makes uh, just, sense. just cause of their feeding habits and whatnot. But, but yeah, so the youth hunts are, man, they're, they're, they're really good. And, uh, I would, uh, I would recommend them to, to anyone. I've heard of a, uh, I don't. You can correct me if I'm wrong on this, but I've heard that they uh, there's like some sort of Texas mentoring program for kids that want to hunt that don't have someone to take them hunting, and I I don't know if it's put on by the state, um, but I've heard something about that in the past, hmm. and I thought that was super cool. No, it does exist, but I think, and I could be wrong, uh, but I think that that's through the Texas Parks and Wildlife Foundation. That might be it. Yeah, which is a not for profit you know, that was basically established to, you know, uh, you know, one of their big deals is, is in to increase, uh, the amount of public lands that we have accessible, uh, here in Texas. And they were able to do that by opening up, uh, last year or this year may, may be fully open a, uh, wildlife management area at Palo Duro Canyon, uh, which is very exciting to me because th there's 250,000 mule deer in Texas. Mm -hmm. More than New Mexico, more than Arizona, but there's nowhere to hunt them really on public land. Really, there's four or five spots on public land that you could probably successfully hunt mule deer. Yeah. Um, uh, but that is, is just one more. That's awesome. I, mean, I think and, that's and a really cool mission. And I've in, so, uh, so I'm a member of the Texas Parks and Wildlife Foundation, and I would recommend that for anybody who's, uh, who's hunting in Texas, uh, cause it's just something that, uh, you can be a part of and you don't have to do anything or you can, uh, or you can do something, you know, and get, and get on the bandwagon, especially when something is, is happening in your area mm -hmm. and, and in your particular area, um, obviously it's needed. Definitely. It you really know, is. There, there, there's open lands out there. It's not like there's not open lands. You know, there's open lands out there. The whitetail hunting is phenomenal. Uh, I, I'm sure. Have you been up uh, to the Lake Travis area? I have. Up yeah. Over there, there's actually a few spots for drawn hunts over there that I've heard are amazing. Mm -hmm. You know, obviously there's a lot of applicants. <laughs> you know, oh, I'm sure since it's yeah. uh, being close to the city. But you see that terrain out there. There's even you can even have a spot and stalk opportunity. Uh, you know, which is not really what you think about in Texas, but Texas is so diverse that there are uh, oh, places yeah. that, that, that you can definitely get into that type of hunting. Uh, you know, when you think about, 
when people normally the thing about South Texas, they think about, you know, corn feeders and tripods. Right. Uh, you know, and basically in my part of Texas, uh, it's just like anywhere else in the, in the Southeast for the most part. Uh, and most people hunt, you know, out of tree stands, uh, just cause it's most efficient. I kind of like hunting on the ground, but it's obviously more difficult in yeah. my opinion. You know, some people probably get on to me and say, no, 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 you, know, you got to pick the right spot. But yeah, that's true. Drawing on one from the ground without a blind is, uh, a task. It's very exciting too. Oh man. The, the adrenaline is just amazing. <laughs> what a so let me ask you this what's the max amount of tags you can so if you had like a uh, lifetime license in texas mm -hmm. what how many bucks can you kill and how many does can you kill okay so uh this is my license right here and uh so i've got uh two mule deer tags uh one antlerless only and one buck or antlerless I've got four turkey tags, uh, three or four Rios, and one of them can be an Eastern. Okay. Okay. I've got five whitetail tags, uh, and it's just really a mixture, and it depends on what county you're in. So, for instance, the county I live in, I can kill two bucks and two does, but I can only kill one buck outside the ears. You know, the other one has to be a cull buck that has one unbranched antler. Okay. So basically a buck with a spike on one side. And obviously the QDMA will argue with that as a, as a management practice. But, I mean, if you hadn't taken a doe and you see a one with the one branched antler, hey, put some meat in the freezer. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, but I'm sure that debate will last longer. Um, so you can kill as many as... As many as four does or as many as three bucks. Mm -hmm. But you have to do it in different counties. So, uh, so what I can do, for instance, where I hunt uh, in the Davy Crockett National Forest on the Natchez River, there is some land on both sides. One of them is one county, one of them is the other. So I can kill a mature buck on one side of the river hop over to the other side of the river and kill another mature buck if I was good enough to do that, which I have not proven to be yet. But it's a possibility. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it definitely is. And that's all with the license. So if you came with a non, as a non-residence, like for this license, I, as a resident, I paid $100. It has everything. I've that's got really all cool. the endorsements. I'm HIP certified, Upland Game Birds, my annual public hunting permit. And that's what you got to have for all the walk-in access. Like, for instance, I go to uh, what's called uh, the Alazan Bayou WMA. Mm -hmm. And I've got to have this annual public hunting permit, 48 bucks. 48 bucks, and you can access about 400 and something thousand acres walk-in. Don't got to tell nobody. Don't got to sign in. Nothing. And also, uh, on the turkey hunt we'll talk about, we needed the annual public hunting permit also. So if you're buying your license in Texas, you're going to hunt public, just go ahead and get it. Now, about half the places you have to have it and half you don't, you might as well just have it. Because it goes right in to taking care of the public lands that we already have.
Yeah. And I've got my migratory game bird, my archery stamp, my saltwater fishing, my freshwater fishing, all for a hundred bucks on one license. Five deer tags, two mule deer tags, four turkey tags, and a red drum tag. That's sounds not like a bad. pretty good deal. That's not bad right there. And if you were a non-resident, that'd be three hundred bucks. And that's also a steal of a deal. That is a steal, honestly. I mean, that's what you pay for one buck tag and an out-of-state. Right. Like, well, I try to draw crazy. for Kansas. This is going to be four hundred and sixty-five dollars just for the tag. The yep, license for... was one forty-two. Mm-hmm. So... <laughs> yeah, that's kind of insane. So why don't we uh, why don't we transition and tell me about your uh, your turkey hunt this year um, on public land? Okay, so like half a million turkeys in Texas. And this little 16-county area that I live in is pretty much the only counties that you can't hunt turkeys in. You know, most of the state is Rio's. Yep. Uh, but, you know, we've got North Texas and East Texas. You know, we've got Easterns. And, uh, you know, even when you get up into Caddo, which goes right up into Oklahoma, you know, and then you've got... Uh, that Wachita coming out of Arkansas into Oklahoma, right in that corner there. Yep. Right. So there's a ton of public land right in that basic area of three states. And there's kind of a, a mixture of birds up there. Um, but so, so I've never turkey hunted, you know, me or my dad, you know, see, my dad's 60. And I said, uh, you know what? It's only two hours away. Let's go on a turkey hunt. Um, so I just started doing a little, uh, a little research and I've been wanting to go to Caddo national grasslands anyway, mm-hmm. just cause it's a completely different, even the wooded terrain is, com- is just completely different from what I'm used to in East and mainly East and South Texas. I've, I've spent most of my time, a little time in West Texas. Uh, but that section in North Texas, I haven't. So uh, you know, reading up, uh, I'd already kind of known, you know, about turkeys and stuff, but doing all my research, you know, doing too much research, getting all wigged out on it. And, uh, so I said, you know, Caddo is going to, is going to be the place to be. And so after you decide, Hey, you know, I, I'm pretty sure I want to hunt this place. The second thing you do is call the wildlife biologist. You know, every area in Texas has a state biologist that's over that area. Right. Some of them may be over multiple areas, but they're over the area. They're not going to answer the phone when you call, but you leave a message and they will call you back. It might take four or five days. They're out in the field quite a bit. Uh, So I called him. His name is Jacob. Uh, And I said, look, um, We've been hunting all our lives and we've seen turkeys, you know, but in counties that, uh, you can't hunt turkeys and we just want a few pointers. And, uh, you know, he just told us, Hey, you know, around here, they love, uh, roosting and half dead, uh, hickory trees, tall long leaf pine trees. And they love roosting near or over water. And so Annie said, and he gave me a general area where he had seen mature gobblers and he had seen a whole lot of jakes the year before. So boom, you know, so I, I jump on the Onyx, I go, and you know, it's probably about a 5,000 acre area that he gave me as a general, as a general area. Mm -hmm. 
and uh, got on the Onyx, got on there and found uh, about 250, 300 acres of open ground uh, with a creek, you know, wooded creek bottom running through the middle of it. And the creek bottom continued for about two miles uh, up through uh, some thick, pretty thick hardwood timber, maybe 25-ish, 30-year-old hardwood timber, ton of uh, ton of mass-producing trees in there, man. Right. Like, there was so many white oaks and hickory nuts and, and uh, what are those? Uh, there's some that I always forget about. Uh, and they were all like, every one of them was cracked open. Right. So, so we go the day before and, uh, and this is a budget hunt. I mean, we pulled this thing off license and all traveling all for less than 200 bucks a piece. Tags, license, camping, food, fuel, you name it. You know, we, of course we already have the shotguns and everything. Um, so we go there, uh, and we, and we try to go to the spot I originally wanted to go to, but I realized that the access was horrible. And I'll, I will hike three miles in a creek bottom to hunt deer, but I just didn't really want to start at 3 o'clock in the morning trying to hike all the way back in there to hunt turkeys. Exactly. I said, you know what? Let me look on the map. So I pulled it up. Of course, I had it downloaded beforehand. There's not even a touch of signal out there. And uh, I found another open ground that had a similar deal. It was more of a drainage. Uh, and so we went over there. Uh, my dad set up inside the timber maybe 10 yards or so on one side of the drainage and I set up on the other and we glassed uh, out into that open ground. We didn't, we didn't call or anything there in the evening. And uh, there we went, we roosted about six birds uh, about 250 yards uh, across the open ground. They're roosted on private. Right. And so I was like, well, uh, you know, the planning began, uh, we went, and had to drive like 20 miles to get to a Brahms because uh, it was already late and stuff and building fire and cooking hot dogs at nine o'clock. We were just like, you know what? We're just going to go into town. And I was like, well, uh, you know, there's, I don't see any reason for us not to set up the same spot we set up, get in there, watch them pitch down and just try to, and try to call them in. Uh, and so that's what we did. We set up and we didn't, we went in at gray light, uh, cause we didn't want to go in. One thing I've found on public land, if you don't know it really well, you think you know it in the dark and you don't, you'll be making as much noise as a Sasquatch out there. And I think the whole benefit of going in before dark is completely gone at that point. <laughs> I would, I would say. I'd say so. Some people say if you go in early enough, you can make as much noise as you want and they'll calm down, you know, by the time it's daylight. But uh, I'm trying to get in a little bit closer on them than that personally. Uh, but anyway, so we set up and, uh, and sure enough, uh, you know, we see a couple pitch down from a distance didn't look like gobblers to me um but you know i was clucking and yelping about every 10 minutes and i couldn't i know my dad was calling but i couldn't hear him and probably about 7 30 just i heard that gobble and i think that the 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 gobble has got to be other than 
like an elk bugle. Yep. It's got to be like the most recognizable. Like you, if you've never heard a turkey gobble in your life and you hear one in the woods, you know exactly what it is. Like it couldn't be anything else. And so it sounded like to me, it was kind of a long way away. Well, about 15 or 20 minutes went by and I heard him gobble again. And so I'm trying to call him. I'm thinking he was answering my calls, you know, so I'm just doing little clucks and yelps and I'm hearing the gobbles. Well, about 10 minutes go by, I'll get ready to call. Boom! Hear a shot. I said, well, I hope that's my dad. I was like, but I'm going to continue to hunt here for a little bit and move down. So I moved down, tried to maybe get out of the earshot of that shotgun, but nothing was moving. So uh, I pretty much jogged back up the, the access trail. And, uh, and there's my dad sitting by the access with a 22 pounder with an 11 inch beard. Oh, wow. Eastern, beautiful, beautiful bird. And he's grinning ear to ear. And, you know, we've been doing these kind of hard hunts for whitetails the past three or four years. And it's get I could tell it was getting, you know, to where he didn't seem like he was having the fun that he did. Like, you know, when I was young, mm-hmm. uh, but man, you know, 60 years old, went back to 12 years old uh, when he told that story. And super excited. Uh, he's having it mounted the whole, in full strut. Oh, that's uh, awesome. And so the story of it coming in was this, this open ground had, uh, had different sections of taller grasses. And, and there's some cattle you know, grazing out in here. Not a lot, but there was a few cattle out there and there was like grazing grass, but then there was patches of taller grass that when you got up on them, you realize they're like chest high and like five foot tall. And uh, as a side note, there was tons of deer beds in that tall grass. But anyway, (laughs) and it had uh, berry, berry patches, Uh, what we call dewberries around here, but basically wild blackberries. And he said that that gobbler came from 200, about 200 yards across there using those berry patches as cover. And then peeking around the side of the berry patch, looking, looking, and then advancing. Well, it took him about an hour and a half uh, to get across there. And this is no face paint, no face mask, no blind. Like none of that, nothing fancy, no turkey vest, no anything. My dad was just hiding behind a tree and calling back into the timber. And that is just an easy technique to do because, you know, those turkeys, you know, especially the Easterns, they're just, they're not gobbling as much as those Rios do. You know, they're not just as active, you know, like you can watch those Rios and they're out there gobbling like crazy. They're fighting. They're just like, you know, they'll they'll pick a dead turkey. They'll peck a dead turkey for like forty five minutes after it's already already expired. Um, uh, but then he came in and he came in looking and he just kept on coming because he you know thought that that hen was right inside that right inside that timberline. And so one of those berry patches, eighteen steps away, and boom, Thanksgiving. That's awesome. And that's so a, that's was, a great bird, too. Oh, yeah. And he was like, man, this thing feels big. You know, we don't know just a whole lot about it. 
And he was like, this thing's heavy, man. This thing feels big. I think it might be a trophy or whatever. And then when, and then you have to register. It's when you kill an Eastern, you have to register it that day online yeah. with Texas Parks and Wildlife. Uh, and when he went to register it, the biggest uh, option they had for the beard was 10 inches. So he's like, man, I might be on to something. And sure enough, it was the uh, if it was registered uh, with the National Wild Turkey Federation, it would have been the uh, uh, the fifth biggest biggest eastern ever taken on Caddo. So that's pretty darn good. That's awesome. <laughs> that's, that sounds like a really epic hunt. I mean, it really was, but and then it was quick. And then so my brother and my brother-in-law were coming down, you know, for the rest of it. Uh, and they were like, they basically missed the action, but Hey, they'll get some of it next time. Yeah. Maybe next year. Right. Right now they're going to have to settle for a spring squirrel. <laughs> That's all we, and, and hog hunt, bow hunting hogs right now, really. Yeah. Uh, now uh, bow hunting hogs is really exciting too. Yeah. But so what are you up to with the, the public land adventures. I know you have a, a GoFundMe, so I kind of want to plug that a little bit. And uh, what are you up to? Right. What are you up uh, to with that? Well, um, I, I founded it. it. It's registered, the Public Land Adventure Club. Mm-hmm. And and basically, the reason was because what I what I see uh, is that you know we as as hunters, especially as hunters. You know, if we if we take in anglers, hikers, kayakers, you know, we're a larger group. But as hunters, uh, we're in such a minority that it's very dangerous for us living in a democracy. Yeah. The only reason we still have hunting is because we've built such rich traditions. Such rich traditions in hunting and the fact that it ties back to Theodore Roosevelt and our national park system and all, and you know, and the Pittman Robertson Act and all of these things tie together. And that's really, uh, you know, what, what has, has kept us going. Well, right now we're fighting, you know, right now we're really fighting social media, uh, you know, the podcast revolution. I mean, I learned so much from Randy Newberg about the politics of, of all the public land battle. I mean, I, I didn't know any of that, yeah. uh, you know, before, before he taught me. Um, so, uh, what I saw was basically this, what I see. And first of all, uh, I'm planning to become a member, a family member of the BHA. And I think the BHA is a great organization and they are, and they are spreading out and they've got things that they are doing extremely well. And like the TRCP, they've got things that they do extremely well. You know, like TRCP stays on top of the politics. They send you an email with a direct link where you can talk to your senator, you can talk to your congressman, you can send them an email. They're completely on top of that kind of stuff. Yeah. But but when you hear, for me at least, this is my perspective, uh, when I hear all the talk and all the push uh, about public lands, it's it's always the West. It's always the West. You know, that, that, that's where we, we, we care about them so much. It's like, oh, Texas sucks. You know, they don't have public land. Well, that doesn't mean we can't get more. Mm-hmm. You know, that doesn't mean we can't get more. We've got 13 million acres sitting in the general land office in Texas. Most of that is in West Texas, in prime mule deer country. 
You know, and that's very similar to what you find in the West with uh, the, the state school lands. It's basically the same thing. It's just called something different. Yeah. You know, they've got cattle grazing, so forth and so on, that they're in a lot of oil wells uh, that they're using, uh, you know, to produce income uh, on that property. I mean, from my perspective, you open it up to at least limited entry. Limited entry, archery-only hunts, I mean, nobody's even at risk. Like, it seems, it's almost ridiculous to me not to open up those lands for at least limited entry, archery-only hunts. Right. I mean, you know, that kind of stuff makes no sense to me. So that's the kind of uh, battles that we're fighting. And, and, the th- and I think that, the, you know, the North American conservation model is something that I think, you know, a lot of the people in the industry are kind of taken for granted. They're taken for granted that, uh, that people that are outdoorsmen that are outdoors people that they understand and they promote, you know, that doctrine, you know, and it has certain flaws, but it has performed extremely well. There's, I mean, it's leaps and bounds beyond anything that any place anywhere in the world has ever done. I mean, we've taken numerous species from the absolute brink of extinction, and we've brought them back on this continent by hunting them. Right. By managing their populations in relationship to the human populations of the country and hunting them. And that is how we've, that's how we saved the Rocky Mountain elk and the whitetail and the bighorn and the black bear and all of these other species that would in the early uh, you know 1900s would have been killed out by commercial hunting uh, you know so but the, the the public land adventure club is is basically uh, a people that are going to stand in the middle and I want it to be a complete united stand you know, I want the Public Adventure Club to say, look, we've got, we notice a problem with Rocky Mountain elk. So what we're going to do is we're going to throw all of our weight into a, pro- into a partnership with the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation because that is what they have been doing for years and that's what they do best. Instead of us trying to, trying to do it ourselves, you know, on yeah. our side, on our side, it's the things that aren't being done like increasing public lands in places like Texas, places like Iowa, you know, places that have an extremely small percentage of lands, uh, you know, that are accessible and they don't even have to be owned by the state. Uh, in fact, Kansas has a, a walk-in program. Uh, and man, you pull up that map, walk-in program in Kansas, all private landowners, they open up, most of them open up their properties from September to May. There's certain regulations on each one of them. But man, if you, 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 I've walked through a few of them and you look on them and they're like those properties. Soybeans on one side of the creek bottom, alfalfa on the other side with a hundred yard uh, long uh, strip of timber going through it. Man, I, you don't want to rub anybody wrong, but that's easy pickings right there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, um, basically, you know, I put it out there and I really expected, um, especially I, I put it out first really over a year ago. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the hunting beast, 
Mm-hmm. Um, uh, well, the huntingbeast.com uh, is something I think everybody you know should check out. If you hunt whitetails, there's a guy named Dan Infall. Um, he basically grew up with his house, uh, was situated in a small inholding of an enormous piece of public land. In Wisconsin, the Booner capital, and he basically killed a Pope and Young buck every year since 1988. So, proof is in the pudding on that deal. And yeah. it's all techniques. It's all like advanced techniques. It's, it's really, it'll take you to a place where you see less deer, but you see big deer. Mm-hmm. You're going to see less deer hunting like that, but you're going to see big deer. Uh, I'll tell you, one of the things that they put me on to was perpendicular trails. Have you ever noticed that or or heard of that? Uh, Not particularly. Okay, so uh, for instance, I've got some pictures of some big rubs that I recently posted on the Adventure Club Instagram. Mm -hmm. And those are on a perpendicular trail. So you've got your main uh traffic you know where you can see fawn tracks doe tracks a couple of big tracks and there's rubs you know all the way down there you know because that's a main travel core for does pretty much year round i mean they're still using it right now and there's rubs there's rubs on small trees all the way up and down it now this is it's kind of on a ridge all right and so these trails basically run the top third of the ridge and the bottom third, and they're beaten trails. So, but now there's faint trails that are running perpendicular to these doe trails, right? Yeah. And so all these doe trails, and there's more doe trails, are running perpendicular, all right? And there's big, nasty rubs on these. You can't see the trail but you can follow the trail with the rubs, you know, this, this rub line. And, and that was brought up to me on the hunting beast. And the, the theory is that these mature bucks, they've learned better than to walk on the community trails in daylight. They are cutting the trails of those does when the wind is right. So, so these parallel trails of the does are running south to north. Right. So with a north wind, this mature buck cuts these trails and he sent tracks, sent checks all the trails walking in cover. And he never has to expose himself. Mm-hmm. And all the time, he, you know, he's putting down, he's, he, you know, he's doing rubs, he's making scrapes, you know, but they're out in the middle of the woods. They're not easy to find. Right. Um, and so really that, that, this was the first one that I've ever found and I heard about it like a year and a half ago and I just found this maybe a couple of weeks ago and noticed it. Uh, so interesting stuff like that, man, stuff that old men who hunted for 45 years have noticed over mm-hmm. time. And, and now with the internet, we can just basically pawn off on their knowledge and use it. Uh, without having to wait 15 years <laughs> to, uh, That's to awesome. acquire those skills. Well, I really, I do really like your guys, your cause, and I wish you the best in that. And uh, I really, I really appreciate the conversation. 
Oh, absolutely, man. I, I really enjoy doing it. And, you know, the main reason I wanted to do it is because I've heard a couple of uh, podcasts on Texas public land hunting, and I, I guarantee that it wasn't this much information. Yeah. I mean, I'm certainly there's people that know more about it than me. Uh, but I mean, I, I think that we covered enough information. If you wanted to, if you're in Texas and you don't know about the public hunting, you can do it now. Mm-hmm. If you're out of state, you can come and, and, and you can do it, man, especially on turkeys, especially on turkeys. It, I'll tell you, you know, it ain't going to be easy to come from out of state, you know, and, and kill a big deer down here. Right. You know, uh, they're, they're here, obviously <laughs> they're here. Uh, but that ain't going to be a, a real easy task. Uh, but you can go to some of these good, uh, you know, turkey spots and you can draw for these exotic hunts and all this stuff. And you can really, uh, just have a, a great time and you're really not going to spend, you know, near as much money and you're going to get to see a little bit different thing, you know, about Texas. Uh, you know, when people think about Texas, they don't think about hundred foot tall pine trees. Yeah. Uh, but you know, on the ridges where I hunt, there's hundred foot tall pine trees. (laughs) So (laughs) it's just one of those things. I love Texas. It's extremely, uh, diverse place. And, and, uh, even though I want to hunt other places, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna hunt my public land in Texas, Mm. uh, for sure. Uh, without a doubt. So if, if anybody wants to help me out right now, just, just follow us on Instagram, uh, and, and just keep up with that stuff right now. Really? We're just, uh, looking for help with the website. Uh, cause everything that we want to do, uh, requires an extremely complex website, yep. uh, to really get going. Uh, but for now, I mean, Hey, even as we're small, uh, we're going to be working, uh, with the Texas Parks and Wildlife Foundation. Uh, you know, I'd like to work with the Texas chapter of the BHA. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not, I'm not against uh, joining forces with, uh, with anyone, uh, you know, who's going to hold on, uh, just to what we know and love. You now, everybody at the end, everybody is, is going to think it's important, but by that time it's going to be too late because yeah. once we, once we build all the houses, you know, and, and all of the, and, and we have to maintain the crops because we have to feed the people in the houses and eventually there'll only be crops and houses, you know, and there'll be no place for your, for your grandson or your granddaughter or your great son, great grandson or your great granddaughter to go out into a place that that you can find even, even in Texas. Oh, we ain't got wild places in Texas. I can go on public land in Texas where I don't hear a single human sound. I don't hear a highway. I don't hear an airplane. I don't hear a train. I don't hear anything, you know, but, but wildlife, you know, when you get into a secluded corner of 30,000 acres, there's game in there that has never seen a person before. Yeah. And it's so glorious and it's so wonderful and it's so beautiful. And we're so lucky just to be able to have that, that uh, it's just something that we have to jump on now uh, because people aren't going to stop having babies and they're not going to stop building cookie cutter houses in subdivisions. Yep, they're not. (laughs) (laughs) Sadly. Welcome to Texas, man. 
Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah, I really I that's gonna give me a lot more insight into what I can what I can do as far as venturing into the state. Right. And when you uh and and I'm and and for me, it can even be a squirrel. Of course in Austin you're gonna have a hard time getting up on too many squirrels. But even a squirrel, you take game in Texas, you're gonna be like fully naturalized. <laughs> that's that's yeah. the quickest that's the quickest route to do it. I, yeah, I can't wait. <laughs> hey man, I really appreciate you having me on. Hey guys, thank you so much for consuming the Hunter's Advantage podcast. We really appreciate it. And we really do do the podcast for you all. And just to stay in tune with that and what you guys want to hear, feel free to message us on Facebook or Instagram on who you would like to see on the podcast next.